0: Hi, I'm Reed Singh, and this is Adventure Travel with Trip Outside, a podcast where we interview adventurers, local guides, and outdoor industry experts to uncover the best travel spots and human-powered adventures from around the globe. Before we jump in, I have a quick favor to ask you, that if you enjoy the show, please leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It would truly mean a lot. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Trip Outside podcast. Today we are exploring Zion National Park and outside of the park with Zion Rock and Mountain Guides. We're joined today with Larry from Zion Rock and Mountain and we're really excited to have this team join us today. We have a personal long-term relationship with Zion and the area. And funny enough, one of the ways that Julie and I got into canyoneering was in 2016. Uh, with Zion Rock and Mountain Guide way before we started Trip Outside. And this was one of those trips that actually uh, planted the seed to start Trip Outside. And in 2018, we went back to the area again, explored on our own. And again, last year, we took an amazing canyoneering trip with the Zion team. And with Gurus too, we learned a lot more about canyoneering and what the mountains have to offer us Outside of just the sport itself, it's been a pleasure to have Zion Rock and Mountain as a partner. And today, we're we're going to go deep into uh, the area, canyoneering, and uh, what are the other activities that you can find that are off the beaten path in the area? Welcome to the show, Larry. Thank you so much for your time. And you. uh, tell us a little bit about how long you've been at. Zion Rock and Mountain Guides, and what got you there?
1: OK, Zion Rock and Mountain Guides has been in the business for over 20 years. And the people that started it were uh, mountain climbers. And uh, more and more people were coming to Zion for climbing, canyoneering, and doing hikes in the park and doing the narrows. And so they opened the business up to facilitate this to be available to other people. People coming here from different places may not know the area. They may not know what to do. They need skills, they need equipment. And so it was set up to facilitate the ease of travelers to help them find locations. Each person may have a different preference or different idea of where to go, what to do. And so this is where they need a guide to have somebody who can help them to um, locate that area of interest and activity.
0: And that's amazing what you guys offer is the pretty much the ability to just show up and you know everything else is taking care of you, but in a, in a custom way. It didn't feel like um, you, know, you were joining a big group and it's the same routine that you guys go through every single time. Uh, you know, for us, what was really great is we felt like we were going through the trip as if you were going through that trip the first time and exploring with us. And I think that's really special is that the smaller group uh, experience that you guys provide. Um, and then, Larry, when when did you join uh, Zion Rock and Mountain Guide, and what was your uh, what's your passion? What do you love about uh, the business and in Zion area?
1: Well, I joined it about four years ago. Some of my friends were doing this, and they needed uh, somebody to organize the trips and the equipment and everything. And so I care about my friends, so I came here to help out and make sure everything runs as smooth as possible. The guests organize the guests so they can be on time, the guides make sure the equipment is there for them, the things they need, schedule appointments. And uh, I also do website construction and marketing. So came here to help other people know where to find our information about our company and things that we do for other people in a wide variety. We do a whole different variety of things. So it's really um it takes a little bit of effort for people to understand exactly what we do and all the sure. things that we do. And
0: what's the what's the most popular uh, trip that you guys you know offer or what it you know what are, what are most people coming to Zion Rock and Mountain Guide for? Uh,
1: most people, it's for canyoneering. Okay. Yeah. And, and for those a- of us
0: that don't know what canyoneering is, do you mind going a little bit? deeper into explaining uh you know the sport the experience and you know how is it different from exploring and hiking and rock climbing
1: well climbing is you go to a face of a cliff and you walk up and down climb up and down in one spot and uh you climb up then you rappel down then you climb back up again and uh (laughs) requires a fair amount of skill and energy and strength Canyoneering, you walk to the top of the area where the cliff is. We put some repelling equipment on you and you rappel down to the bottom of the canyon. The canyons we take you to are <clears throat> slot canyons. Some of them are two to six feet wide. Others are 10 to 25 feet wide. And they've been carved in the rock by millions of years of uh, water flow. And weather.
0: An amazing thing I um, I love about canyoneering is just you get to see things that you can't see from the surface. I feel like you're every time you're diving into it's almost like going beneath the earth's surface <laughs> and coming back yeah. out and then doing to it again down a different canyons.
1: Yeah, yeah the underworld. Another, that's- you're going into the underworld and walking out again and uh, some, people, some people feel they're claustrophobic, but the canyon is open clear to the sky so the canyon's on both sides and you can be anywhere from 30 feet to 200 feet above you and that so it's sense. not and then to walk from one area to the other you may have to do some hiking scrambling scrambling is when you may have to get on all fours to climb up in uh, incline. and stemming is where you put your feet on one wall and your hands on another other wall and climb up to the next section that way.
0: Yeah, this is nature's version of uh, American Ninja Warrior.
1: Exactly. In fact, one, yeah. one of our guys here um, four years ago actually won the Ninja Warrior.
0: Oh, who was that?
1: Um, Isaac Caldiero.
0: OK. I'm going to have to look that up and uh, experience, is
1: check out the show. Yeah, he comes back here in uh, canyoneers in the summer. This is the most enjoyable thing that he likes to do, is be here.
0: I don't blame him. It's a beautiful area.
1: <laughs> yeah. And NASA also uh, sends their astronauts to the canyons in the area to uh, teach them how to cooperate, solve problems, and work together to get through obstacles.
0: That's really interesting. I know you're, um, you guys, you were talking to me about your team building. Um, you know, and the experience that either companies or small, whatever group it is that uh, goes into it, that the team building that comes out of this is something that is you know can't be experienced and many other activities. I I really like that uh, there is something for, whether it's corporate events or smaller teams, to be able to get outdoors and experience these things together instead of, you know, another happy hour or going to, um, you know, the typical team building activities. This is so unique. It's close to uh, an area where everyone can find something else to do outside of just Zion and canyoneering, but this could be one activity that brings them to the area to do it together. Uh, I can see the benefit that they get get out of it. Uh, so what are some of the things that people, what, like what does a typical team building trip look like?
1: Um, um, you know, we can do anywhere from two nights, two days, one night to 20 days, 19 evenings where we go camping. Uh, cook food for everybody. We have campfire discussions each day. We'll either do a different canyoneering trip or hiking trip or mountain climbing or mountain biking or road biking, whatever the suits the needs of the individuals. And it gets them away from their uh, humdrum life, helps them to escape for a moment where they can stop and think. But anyway, we try to get people together in groups where they can share information, share stories the, with
0: another. A good segue into sharing stories. And <laughs> this is something that I uh, am always curious to see, the, the life of the guide. Uh, you know, you guys are going through some of the most adventurous places. There's flash flooding. There's snakes. All these other elements that you just can't plan for um is there one that sticks out that was either a rescue or a close call that you want to share with us that either your guides have gone through or your uh, either customers or you personally have gone through
1: usually we don't really have close calls we schedule things pretty good um we plan as far as flash flooding we watch the weather real good we have We know areas to go into where, if there's any chance of rain or flooding, that we avoid those and go to areas that are safe. And the biggest thing that we have is people need to have to work on overcoming their fears. Um, My cousin came through last month and she's 67 and she went and did a canyoning trip for the day. she wasn't a hunter, but she broke out in tears twice, and then she came back and broke out in tears again because she was so happy and so amazed at what she was able to do. And uh, she was so impressed by it. Her daughter runs a NGO for Oprah and says, well, all the kids need to come here. This is the most amazing thing they could do. This is how they can unite and get back together and get away from the uh, stress of the world.
0: Yeah, overcoming that fear, the power that uh, you feel, I guess, you know, the, the confidence that comes and how quickly it can come if you can get over some, you know, it's fear of fights is a common fear for a lot of people. And, mm-hmm. you know, having that trust in the guide and even for Julie and I, when we, you, you have to take that leap of faith of stepping around the corner where you're overlooking, you know, a 75 foot drop, but trusting that your guide has you, you have yourself, you've done all the things that, you know, you control. And I think that's really incredible uh, story that you just shared about, you know, waiting till 67 and overcoming some of your fears. And also, I think for canyoneering, it's a common misconception that it's only for the most extreme outdoor enthusiasts, where it's really, you can take you know, kids along, and I've seen uh, some of your videos where, like your example, you know, somebody in their 60s or 70s can even go out on a trip. So it's really about, uh, you know, being okay with testing your boundaries, trying new things, and it seems like you guys can fit a trip according to the skill level of the group or the individual.
1: That's what we always do. Um, We don't do random groups we do the only groups that we do are people that know each other or have a general purpose together we took one family out that the grandfather was 75 and he walked up to the first rappel and thought it might be too hard for him so he was going to walk back down but when he realized it took more energy to walk back downhill than the canyon here he went ahead and did the rappel, and he finished off the rest of the day and says oh this is easier than walking yeah, and we have another yeah. lady. She was seventy-two, and she liked to do climbing. We took her up the place called Twila Tower, which is a monolith that goes thousand feet in the air and overlooks the valley and Zion. And okay. um, she climbed that and had no problem.
0: Wow!
1: And is that in the Kolob Creek area? It's just right there by um you can see it from uh, Springdale. It's over okay. at Eagle, Eagles Crag. So okay. it's the farthest okay. point on Eagle's Crag. It stands up in the air. And um, so it's the official name is Twila Tower. And uh looks like a jar of syrup, kind of if you look at it from the right angle. But it's uh 1,000 feet straight in the air. It's probably like 100 feet by 100 feet at the base and goes on up to the top. And that's
0: one of your climbing trips as well? Because I'm I'm adding this to my personal list.
1: Yeah, we do that on climbing trips. It's just a one little section that's a little bit. You have to be a little bit. takes a little bit of effort to go through. But that's only a few feet. And the rest is fairly easy. To get okay. up you like some stairs going up the mountain.
0: And uh, I oh. bet Angel's Landing doesn't compare to the views that you see from the top of that no, tower.
1: It doesn't. No. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> That's, you're the only way up there, you're not going past yeah. a thousand other people holding on to a chain.
0: Sure. And how has that uh, impacted? I mean, the crowd, Zion National Park, one of the most busiest. Most visited park in the United States. Um, right, it's got. It has to be people like me that are coming back time after time and want to explore more outside of the park.
1: Right, it's um, like most people go. It'd be like going to New York City and spending your whole time on Times Square. Right, <laughs> but the the park Zion National Park is larger than New York City. It, the buildings are four to five times taller than the ones in New York City,
0: yeah. the mountains. Are. The
1: mountains. And, yeah, so it's just like you have so much more to explore. Uh, I believe where you went canyoneering was on the west side of the park, and that's- Yeah, we went the-
0: to Colab area, I believe, and then we also went to Yankee Doodle back in
1: 2016, which was way outside place. the park. That's way outside the park. The one you went to just recently, I believe, was Lab Snow. Yeah. And it's just on the west side. One-third of that area is in the park, and two-thirds are outside the park.
0: And it's and funny how quickly you can lose the crowds. Like, we just took one turn, drove down this road, and there was practically nobody down that road. Mm-hmm. At some of the busiest time guy, of the year
1: yeah and there's areas to hike and everything that are just as amazing but they don't direct people there and so nobody sees it there's also just further north there's even more amazing places that go hiking and camping and um so there's tons of areas you can do things all inside zion outside of zion on the east side of zion there's just we can show you some drone footage we have of all the canyons and groups out there on the east side. And the northeast side, we have Birch Hollow, Williams. And Williams, you can go, it's it's a two-mile hike and then a 120-foot rappel. And you walk two miles through a narrow slot canyon that's three or four feet wide, and it goes five or six hundred feet up in the air. Wow. Wow, 120
0: foot rappel, I bet that's amazing.
1: Yeah, and that's just one rappel and the rest of the time you're going through a real narrow slot canyon, which is gorgeous. Okay,
0: and just so fun to explore.
1: Even just
0: hiking through.
1: through. Mm -hmm. And so we have kind of northwest of the park um, that you can go through that are uh, an extreme, takes a little bit of hiking to get into them and once you get in you just you have to go through the whole thing to get out but it's gorgeous it's beautiful and on our so these are gorgeous canyons beautiful formations and we can adjust these trips to fit any person right
0: that's uh and you're located right in springdale for those listening that are curious to you know how you get started with this trip you're essentially right outside the park uh the town of springdale that's where zion Rock and mountain is located uh you show up and they take care of everything from there which is extremely convenient you know typically when we've gone we haven't had any of our climbing gear or anything with us we just uh, we have the confidence to just show up and then we take the trip from there so if someone is uh, you know inspired by canyoneering and they want to go explore there's reasons you should know a few things that are this is not just a, a regular hike there's a lot of uh dangers and not to you know this we're not uh doing a safety talk but there's things that you should be mindful of when you're exploring these slot canyons most importantly uh flash floods uh, hypothermia and um what are some of the, I guess what are some of the things that if you know if audience is listening and they want to try this themselves and there are, uh, uh, there's reasons to go through your first few times with a guide or take a course. Do you mind digging into some of the
1: the those things? Well, there's there's learning how to use ropes and friction devices is the most important thing. And then we also have uh, you need to there's a device at the top you tie your ropes onto. And when you get down to the bottom of the canyon, you need to disconnect those ropes. And if you sure. don't know the special knots and everything else and how to do this, you set it up wrong, um, you can get injured or death. So right. you have to, as long as you know how to set things up, tie the knots and are secure, and it's different from doing it yourself and then doing it for other people, and to keep them mm-hmm. in Spain. So it takes really years of skill and experience to know how to use the ropes, tie these things down. And you also have to know where these, many of are our, our these links at the top of the canyon are, have been set there for years. And the guides know where they're at. And every time they go through, they double check and make sure they're secure, make sure the stuff hasn't worn out, it's safe. And if you don't know that, then you don't know where to go. So you need yeah. somebody to show you how to find things, how to look for them, how to use them. We have courses that go anywhere from one day course to five day courses where we teach people the knots, the links, how to find them. We take them out to different canyons and have them repel and then have them leave and give them directions so they can do it safely. Um, there's some Oh, that's perfect. Who, yeah, some people have these one people, they went through through one canyon course and tried to go on their own the next day through a canyon inside the park. And the guide who took them on the canyon course beforehand, they, it was six o'clock and they hadn't got back yet. So he went out to the base of the canyon. It was dark and they were lost. And if he hadn't got out there, they wouldn't have found their way back to the road.
0: Yeah, you hear these stories all the time coming out of Zion of, uh, you know, casualties and flash floods. And um, what are some of the times to avoid? What are some of the things to look for? Even if you're just, you know, hiking some of the slot canyons around southern Utah, um, what are some things to look for in terms of weather? Because I understand it's not exactly just the weather where you are. You have to keep in mind uh, which way the water is going to flow. And you know what the weather looks like further further down that path. So, right.
1: Uh, is it certain times of we year? Well, at different times of the year, we have first we have snow melt, which is usually gradual unless it rains the day before. And then the snow can melt quite rapidly. Okay. And also, too, in the, in the fall of the year, we have a uh, where we get extreme rain it could rain an inch in one hour and it's called the monsoon and the winds come through fall and that could create this so we always have to double check the weather real quick and rapidly we have canyons we can take people into no matter what the weather is it's safe we have some canyons that have a sandy bottom and the water never collects there and there's there's no flooding from the upper area because all of that is Changed eons ago. So we can take people there. We've taken people on Christmas Day, and it started snowing in the middle of the canyon, and the people were so because they had been praying for snow. And oh, that's it's the first amazing. time they've ever seen snow on Christmas Day. And there were some little mini waterfalls coming off the edge of the of the canyons, and it was just beautiful and gorgeous.
0: Yeah, and the gear that you guys offer that's available for you know hiking the narrows in the winter, it surprisingly keeps you really warm, the the wetsuits and the wet, you know, the neoprene um mm-hmm. socks. Uh that was one of our favorite experiences was to hike the narrows, but in the winter. And mm-hmm. it was incredible. One, you know, like you mentioned, the snow being everywhere and you saw these ice uh you know, ice melt ice uh, sculptures almost being created on the side of the red rock. And to be Indeed. able to experience that in the winter was definitely worth quote unquote suffering through, you know, winter conditions, but really it wasn't that bad. Uh, I yeah. definitely recommend yeah. it to anyone that's looking to beat, uh, beat the crowds or get away in the off season to explore Zion in the winter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and as you can, in the water of those times of year is warmer than the air. So <laughs> it's...
0: right. Yeah. Yeah, you're actually better better off staying in then uh, than In the up. water than trying
1: to freeze to death in the air. But you sure. can also warm and wear jackets and don't go into the area where you're gonna be over your head in water. But right. you can just up your waist and and in the narrows going from the bottom up, it's really easy to control where you go. And so if the water starts to get too deep for you, you just go to one side or the other of the river or just come back down. No matter what, it's gorgeous and beautiful. So there's no and
0: uh and there's no permits required uh in the winter. And I believe for the subway hike, this it's permits all year long.
1: Yeah, for the top down on subway, you need permits. Same with the with the narrows, you need for the top down, you need a permit. That's like a 16 okay. mile hike. The bottom up you don't. And okay. that's only a round trip, maybe four to six miles.
0: Okay. So, everyone, if you're thinking about exploring Zion, if you want to use a trip or not use a guide, whether you want to rent your own gear, you can just stop in, get expert advice before you just jump in, um, learn an extra few things. And then you might even find yourself wanting to explore some of the things outside of the park that Larry mentioned earlier. Uh, you know, there's so much to explore, and uh, Zion's probably only going to get busier and busier. What are some of the things that, um, you know, we can do to recreate responsibly, Larry, to, you know, as the crowds grow, uh, what are some things that users need to keep in mind in uh, while recreating in the area to maintain what we have, and you know, not love Zion to death? Are there any tips, there are some common challenges that you guys face that you could share? Not through your guiding service probably because you guys have the expert guides that make sure all those right things happen. But if somebody's exploring the area, what are some things to keep in mind to uh, protect Zion National Park and the surrounding areas?
1: Well, whatever you bring in, you need to bring out. So we aware of what you're bringing in with you and have the ability to bring it back up. The advantage of having something like a camelback to carry water compared to a plastic bottle with a camelback, when it's empty, it's flat, and it's with mm-hmm. you in the backpack. With plastic bottles, it's really easy to figure, oh, I can just throw this away. Mm-hmm. And the amount of trash it can build up just makes it difficult to, for the others to enjoy the beauty even though sure. currently right now they found a way to turn plastic bottles into pure graphene
0: interesting which was,
1: um, which was worth five hundred thousand dollars a pound
0: wow i i need to uh include a link to this later on that's yeah uh, learn for more and this is something you've uh recently explored recently found out about
1: well, Rice University did it about two months ago. They okay. took it and they were able to turn a banana peel into pure graphene and clean drinking water using a six hundred volt jolt of electricity, kind of like Back to the Future with Mr. Fusion.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay, basically that's what they did. They put a banana peel in okay. it, jolted it with electricity, it turned into pure graphene and clean drinking water.
0: And what's graphene used for? What makes it so valuable?
1: Um, it's stronger than steel, lighter than steel. It becomes a solar collector. It becomes It's a superconductor at room temperature. You can build car bodies out of it that are 10 times lighter and 100 times stronger. Um, the University of Arkansas last month created a computer chip that puts out electricity forever, made out of graphene. You okay. know, char- Another company made a another chip made out of graphene that collects energy from ambient energy in the surrounding that you never charge. It sends out electricity forever. And so when you're here there, to Zion, make sure you bring your plastic bottles back with you because they're highly valuable.
0: Yeah, uh, that's exciting to hear that there are solutions on the horizon. It's a matter of getting them vetted and to scale and um, in the meantime i think pack in pack out is is the biggest kind of takeaway Uh, anything but like staying on trail or not cutting trail because i think sometimes these narrow trails end up being double wide tracks or exploring off the beaten path can end up ruining some of the sensitive soil and and wildlife around Mm -hmm. the area too so
1: yeah you want to do those things yeah and you don't want to start carving your own name in rocks. It's just yes. distracting the beauty and uh, of the thing. And so this is kind of a problem we've had recently is the rangers have been limited because of COVID. So there's some sure. areas in the park and of the upper narrows where people have been leaving graffiti there, which can be claimed, but it just takes a lot of work. And it sure. takes away beauty from other people, yes.
0: Yeah. No, that's a great, great call out because that's on the rock, it's tempting to leave your own pictograph, but we don't need those anymore. That, that uh, works good.
1: <laughs> yeah, we have we have Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, we
0: have digital
1: Facebook where exactly. we can leave our links there.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Larry, it's so good to always talk to you. So tell tell me a little bit more personally about, you know, Harry Lorraine is still ingrained into my mind. Mm-hmm. And I want to dig into a little bit about your process of speed reading books. Tell me what, how many books are you up to? What's your latest read? And what's, uh, what's your process, again, for in, intaking lots of information and, you know, also being able to retain it?
1: Well, the thing is, we are all born with the ability to read over 4,000 words a minute. We're all born with a photographic memory. Um, just like the Wizard of Oz, Dorothy, the Wizard sent Dorothy home, Scarecrow brains, lion courage, tin Man a heart. Afterwards, they were told that my dear, you had this all along. And the Wizard of Oz was actually written by a man, Frank Baum, who, Marched on Washington in 1893 with 10,000 other people protesting the gold standard because the gold standard was destroying the economy. Mm-hmm. And so some, many people today think, well, gold only is a true value. Mm-hmm. But yet I had a friend of mine who wished that everything he touched turned to gold. So one night the gold fairy framed him with her wand. He got up in the morning and grabbed a cup of coffee, turned into solid gold. Then he grabbed a bagel that turned into solid gold and his daughter ran, ran to hug him and she turned into a golden statue. Needless to say, he died three days later, hungry, thirsty, and lonely. So the only thing that's valuable in life, everything we have is, and again, and I'm, the social media platform, we're getting a lot of fake news. And how do we decide what's fake news and what isn't? Well, if you can uh, figure out how to read 4,000 words a minute.
0: what's the? What are some practical steps that can get us there? What are some apps, uh, some technology that you use that you can share with us? to, to get, get us even 10% of the
1: way there? Well, you'll get 100%. You know? uh, one, one app that I like is it's called Spreeder CX.
0: Spreeder CX. I'll leave uh, links to these in the show notes.
1: Yeah, Spreeder CX. And it's like $30 to $45. And you can put it on five computers with five different email addresses. There's 4,000 okay. books. In the app, and it'll flash one word to 10 words per line, and then one line to 10 lines down at whatever rate you want. And within a month, you may start at two or three hundred words a minute. At the end of the month, you'll be two or three thousand. The faster you read, the more you remember.
0: Interesting, which is so counterintuitive.
1: Right. Yes, what we've, we've been lied to is called sandbagging. So if you're going to go <laughs> on a hike, if you're going to go on a yeah. hike 10 people yeah. and they put a 50-pound bag of sand in the backpacks of two of the people, <laughs> a 30-pound bag in another one, and one person has no sand in their backpack, just the water and food, which one's going to get to the hike easiest? Yeah, yeah that's yeah, okay. interesting. So in, in life... We're always highly competitive. We're trying to become better than other people. And there's three ways to do this. One, you can put people down. The other one, you can pick yourself up. And the third way to become better than other people is to lift them up. And as humans, we're in all three states at one time. So whatever energy we're gonna put on putting people down or gossip, And the Greek word for gossip is diabolos, where we get a word for devil, it means to gossip. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then we can do the human state like Tony Robbins, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. And then we can go into the god or goddess state, which is lifting other people up. And as, as humans, we're never going to eliminate any one of these states, but it's what percent of your energy so, if we gave everybody a photographic memory and taught them how to read four thousand words a minute, we wouldn't have student debt any longer. Yeah, and yep. they could we be, would
0: all be educated individuals,
1: right? And without the extra debt. Yeah, they would be less fooled by, <laughs> yep. by fake news, and so and so. The more information you get, it's easier to discern if something is fake or not absolutely thank you so, so
0: much for uh, the larry wisdom this is something i was genuinely excited about that i would hope we would get to it and share some of your uh your wisdom i've definitely thought of it for a since almost a year ago since i've last seen you and it have really stayed with me and i'm glad we were able to get some of it out and yeah, uh, share did with you, our audience did you
1: ever get to our book the human condition
0: yeah i will definitely add a link to that in the podcast right. in the show notes as well uh,
1: yeah, that's, that's that was co-authored
0: by larry and stewart by Stuart. Uh, yes. zion rock and mountain guides well thank you larry for having uh being part of the podcast being part of trip outside partner Network. Uh, We really hope that this conversation inspired people to explore Zion National Park area and inspire them to extend their trip a little bit maybe and see some of the things that are outside of the park that are not so commonly visited. And in the process of learning to canyoneer, rock climb, uh, they can overcome some of their fears and doubts that they may have had and really try something new, get outdoors and do it safely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining. Thank you, Larry, for coming on and taking thank your time. You. And everyone, you can find Larry at Zion uh, Zion Rock and Mountain Guides and Larry on Trip Outside, or you can visit Zion Rock and Mountain. And all the things we talked about in the podcast, I will add those to the show notes so you can get all the wisdom and information that was shared today and go explore zion national park and read four thousand words per minute thanks everyone if you enjoyed the show please subscribe uh leave a comment we'd love to hear from you larry would love to hear from you and see what you thought of the podcast and have an adventurous week thank you guys thank you hey there adventure seekers thank you for listening to another episode of adventure travel with trip outside if you enjoyed the conversation, please share it with your friends, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to stay up to date on where we travel to next. If you felt inspired to travel, go to tripoutside.com. It's the fastest way to book outdoor adventures all in one place.